Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good morning, all. Today is Tuesday, June 22nd, 2021. And welcome to the Muni Lowdown, the podcast produced by DebtWire Municipals. Today, we have Associate Editor Caitlin Devitt from Chicago, Illinois, and Senior Reporter Kathy O'Donnell from Harrisburg, PA. Welcome, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, Young. All right. Today, we're going to be focusing on Atlantic City, New Jersey, and a city that is known for its, I guess, we're, I guess we could say the East Coast version of Las Vegas. And we know, everyone knows the, the slogan for Las Vegas is, what happens there, there stays there, but I'm not quite sure what it is in Atlantic City. I don't know. Is it like, forget about it or who knows? <laughs> uh, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> but anyway, so we're going to talk about two stories. We'll start with you, Caitlin. And in the whole universe, in Muniland, you've got uh, people looking for, uh, for a high yield. And at the same time, uh, an unrated deal came with Atlantic City regarding a water park of all things. So let's talk about that. My first question to you is, as most of our listeners know, you know, overall the mini market has been gangbusters pretty much lately. So there's been lots of demand, you know, as I mentioned, especially anything with yield. So it's very interesting when we, when we talk about a deal that cannot get done. So that's apparently what happened with this deal in Atlantic City. It's a $95 million deal for a water park. And both Kaylin and Kathy wrote about the deal. So Kaylin, Let's start with you, sketch out, you know, the background, what happened and things like that. Sure. Well, the borrower on this deal, which, as you said, is about 95 million, although I think it was trimmed near the end, is a nonprofit group called CIDC, Atlantic City, LLC. And that's a subsidiary of a larger nonprofit called Community Initiatives Development Corporation, which develops, manages and operates public facilities, um, I think you know, definitely on the East Coast and possibly in a larger area. So the proceeds for the deal were going to, um, or are going to, we're going to finance an indoor water park and recreational area in Atlantic City, right off the boardwalk across the street from the beach. Um, it was going to be called Island, or tentatively called maybe Island Park. And it was going to be this giant, area with five bars, a fake boardwalk, you know, one of those, um, fake boardwalk, (laughs) (laughs) a fake boardwalk, like the renderings make it look cool. Right. You know, a lazy river, like, Uh, I don't know if you ever floated down a lazy river, but, and it was being promoted as designed to meet the recreational needs of city residents. So they were going to use the proceeds for that. And then also as is kind of usual for a debt service reserve fund and operating fund, but the red flags were waving early on. Several sources we talked to said, first of all, they said early they were taking a pass. Like they heard the presentation and they and they weren't interested. They weren't even necessarily waiting for pricing. And they were saying a couple reasons. First, they were saying a kid-friendly water park isn't really what you think of when you think of Atlantic City, like right. you were saying in the beginning. So they had some doubts about the ability of it to generate you know, the revenue. And then the other one was sort of a bigger you know, or maybe more philosophical one about the muni market, which is this the type of 
project that muni bonds should finance. We don't know if that is a water park seems to be on the far end, as one investor said. And then the most concrete problem when they actually brought it was apparently the lack of equity. I don't I, I don't know for sure, but it seems like from bond documents, the borrower was putting in very little of any equity. And that was like a big red flag for the sources that we talked to. Um, Janney was the underwriter. They shot the deal for several weeks, but apparently investors weren't too responsive as we wrote. We heard in the beginning pricing of about, but this is real early, like 6% on 2042 maturity. If you read the bond documents or they have a feasibility study later on where they actually project like a 7% rate. But again, I don't think it was the price so much as the deal terms and the project itself that was turning off investors. seems like a, a water park. That that alone seems to be kind of a precarious project in the first place. What's going on yeah. here? Yeah, it was interesting because there was a feasibility. You know, these projects, they always hire consultants to do feasibility studies. And then they always present these, you know, super rosy pictures um, that, you know, oftentimes don't come through. But th- this this is interesting, the feasibility report on this one, which did that as well. But it was just interesting to read through it. I guess there's about 800 outdoor water parks, but in North America, in the U.S., but um, indoor water parks, indoor freestanding water parks are pretty rare. Right. I guess the concept was developed in Wisconsin Dells, my home state of Wisconsin. And it was partly like a way to deal with the crappy weather. You know, they had outdoor water parks and they want to bring them indoor as a way to continue to make money. So one of the oldest is the World Water Park, which is at the Edmonton Mall. And our listeners might know about that because... It's owned by Triple Five, which is owner of American Dream. Yes. And according to this report, that park is consistently underperformed. Then there's the DreamWorks Water Park, which Mm -hmm. is in American Dream, which Mm -hmm. I think it just opened, right? Like late 2019 in the fall or something. Yeah. And they they shut it down because of COVID, but then they opened back up again. Yes. Yeah. So they don't have that much that, you know, that many months to have data on how that performed. And then... Then they also mentioned this water park that they were going to build at Mall of America, the city of Bloomington. Last week, we heard the city of Bloomington was going to, you know, or originally the city of Bloomington was going to float the debt for it. Last we heard, they they decided not to. But according to the feasibility report, that project is still on the table. So it's kind of interesting, something to follow up on. But anyway, the landscape of water parks is interesting. And then there's this industry leader, the Great Wolf Lodge. I think it's called Great Wolf Lodge. Yes. I, I'd be saying one of those places. Yes, I've heard of it. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. And um, But then this feasibility report was kind of, they were very critical of those and saying, they're not the industry leader. The lobbies are too loud. You can't. <laughs> You can't because there's a big talking tree. If you've stayed at one, you know, like when you walk in and they cater too much to preteens. And so that was the criticism. And, and this water park would be different. Yeah. I Don't get me started about water parks. I've had, gone to my share and just oh, yeah. go off tangent. The, the Great Wolf was in Pel- the Poconos and my kids were younger. So it worked out perfectly. But for anyone like a teenage kid, be like, why are we here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, just like the. The chlorine alone, like this. Oh, smell. good. <laughs> like, we could do a whole podcast on that, but anyway. <laughs> so, Caitlin, so you and Kathy wrote a story last week about the rise of junk rated deals in the market. Can you put this deal in context of of that for us? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, as you were saying at the at the beginning, just how gangbusters the market is right now. And in the story we wrote about last week, we talked about how the portion of unrated deals in the high yield market is has been rising over the last five years and is continuing to rise. Right now, of course, it's because of market technicals. Every Anybody who can wants to come to market because there's so much demand. But it's also part of a long-term trend where... Um, it's still retail investors who are dominating, but a lot of those accounts are now being managed by professional um, money managers. And professional money managers are more likely to have in-house analysts that can do their own analysis. And so they want the um, additional premium that an unrated deal will bring. Like an unrated deal typically carries a penalty when it comes to market one source, put it at as high as 50 basis points, depending on the maturity. So buyers, of course, want that. And so many sophisticated buyers like the idea of unrated bonds. But for the overall market, it may not be the best thing because it's less transparency in general. You know, if you don't have the original rating and then you don't have the sort of review of the rating agencies. And I know there's a lot of controversy about rating agencies and how good of a job they do, but certainly an issuer has to open their books to them in any case. And it and also, so it's less transparency and it's not necessarily a level playing field for retail buyers who don't have that kind of same team of in-house analysis. But anyway, um, so for deals like this AC one, you know, despite the market, there's no appetite. And so that's still happening. And basically the bottom line is, is investors still have their limits. And we've seen that a few times. It's always interesting when it happens in our market because it's pretty rare. We saw it with the big Brightline West deal last year. There was also a deal for a sports park in Arizona called Legacy. That one got done. And um, I think they're even coming back, but it took a while. And the borrowers really had to revamp terms several times. And then more recently, you probably, you know, that Alabama prisons deal that got yanked. Um, in that case, the bankers pulled out, but investor pushback played a role. And the U.S. Virgin Islands last year brought a deal that ended up not clearing. So there is always... So it's interesting when when these speculative deals come and um and and there's something that happens and they don't clear the market. Yeah, I mean, I think the analogy is like you drive on the highway, everything is smooth traffic wise, but when there's an accident, everybody wants to know what's going on. They all right. rubberneck or whatever you call those terms. You gaper say, story. Gaper, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard gaper's blog. My friend from Michigan will be like. It's a gaper's block, and I would like, what the heck is that? <laughs> That's like, it must be a Midwest thing. They are exactly. Chicago traffic radio. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me switch over to Kathy. Kathy, um, going back to Lang City deal, the, the sources cited a lack of equity in it overall. Is that what you heard as well? Uh, yes, Young. Um, in fact, one source told me that, you know, while he hadn't been following the deal closely, um, he also suspected that it wasn't just the lack of equity, but also kind of uh, the narrow revenue source for the project. As Caitlin was referring to this kind of this, you know, philosophical discussion about, you know, what is in a, you know, mini bond project, you know, obviously a water park is not, you know, an essential service like water and sewer. So that's one kind of strike against it. And it's also very specific, you know, unlike American Dream, as Caitlin mentioned, which also has the water park. They have at American Dream multiple sources of entertainment and retail related revenue. So it's not just coming from one specific thing like a water park. Um, and so, as Caitlin said, even though we're in a very strong market, that type of a credit is kind of a difficult sell. And, and I heard as well that people kind of took a look at it, you know, it quickly, but, you know, quickly passed on it. That's what I heard at least. Right. And it, it seems like when it rains, it pours. So besides, the water park deal not happening, 
I understand that the state of New Jersey has an oversight of the city itself, and that's going to be extended. Tell us about that. Uh, yes, as you know, you know the state took control of Atlantic City back in uh, 2016 to manage its finances and kind of make sure that you know government services continued to be delivered. And that was after you know uh, several casinos failed, and you know in in there was a lot of competition from neighboring states. Like for instance, I believe. Uh, Pennsylvania legalized gaming just in 2004, but that really came on gangbusters and that, you know, provided a lot of competition for New Jersey, you know, because it, you know, took took people from that kind of Pennsylvania market. Um, but yesterday, and this was kind of no surprise, I think, to anyone, there was a bill that would extend or there's a bill that would extend uh, state oversight by four years. Uh, so going from the original five years uh, to nine years, and that passed uh, as of yesterday, both houses of the New Jersey legislature. And that bill also uh, restores civil service protections to the city's public workers. Um, so I don't think it was any surprise that that was going to pass. And and certainly, you know, the casino industry was hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. So I don't think that kind of extension was any kind of reflection on the progress the city has made. It's more of a situation where they had this thing that nobody could anticipate and they're going to need a little bit more help going forward. So, so I think that was, uh, that was why that was done. Right. And you said it passed in both houses. I believe it was pretty much unanimous, not a single dissent. Well, um, I think, I think it was, it passed, um, you know, pretty, it was, you know, I think initially back in, in May, the assembly passed it and then it went, uh, yesterday the Senate passed it, but it was a very overwhelming kind of a, you know, it was very, very, um, strong, support for the bill. Right. Now, so what's the outlook for Atlantic City overall? Well, you know, as the AP reported in, in late May, Atlantic City casinos in the first quarter, their first quarter profits were more than triple what they were in the first quarter of 2020. Uh, and that was when COVID-19 obviously wiped out a good part of March. So so that's a positive. And, you know, people, I, you know, are looking to have some fun, I'm guessing, after being cooped up during the pandemic. So it's not hard to imagine that Atlantic City will benefit from that. But still, as Caitlin, you know, and you pointed out, family-friendly water park is not the first thing that comes to mind when you think about Atlantic City. You know, it is, of course, though, located on the Atlantic Ocean. And, you know, it's a it's a beautiful spot. I've been there. You know, it's it has this kind of uh, kind of gaming association with it. You don't think of it as like family friendly or other types of entertainment. And so what I think that they've been trying to do for a good while now is to appeal to a younger demographic that isn't just interested in gaming. You know, I happen to know, uh, if I'm honest, a certain person who I will call mom who would not leave a machine even when the fire alarm went off because she wasn't, you know, she, those lucky machines, you know, when they're hot, you can't be uh, run right. away from them. So, but, um, you know, given its prime location and its, you know, its proximity to major cities like Philly and New York, you know, they've been thinking for a while that they want to appeal to a younger crowd that's looking for a, you know, a broader uh, array of entertainment. And uh, they they opened, uh, you know, Stockton University opened its Atlantic City campus, I believe it was. They had the ribbon cutting, I think it was in September of 2018. So they're trying to bring kind of a younger group of people in there who can take advantage of um, you know, where it's located, who will leave the casino, you know, unlike my mother, who people who might venture out of the casino on occasion to eat. Um, so I think that that's what they're hoping. So so I don't think that the, you know, the extension of oversight was seen as, you know, a failure on the part of the city, of not kind of making some progress. It was just a situation where obviously 
it appears to me anyway that you know this was something where we kind of dealt them up below uh, the pandemic is something that nobody could really oversee so it was a logical step i mean i could still see the appeal of a family let's say husband wife and two or three kids if let's say one spouse wants to you know hit the slots and the other one takes the kids to the water park i mean i could see that working in a way except or, for some one family i do happen to know who calls the pool at the borgata the water park <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's, it'll be interesting to see the future for sure yeah but uh for now and i'm gonna say a pun but this deal is dead in the water literally so i'll leave it at that who knows if uh tony soprano was around maybe he could use his muscle to get the deal done but i'll stop right there <laughs> Thank you. Uh, many thanks to Caitlin, Devitt, and Kathy O'Donnell on their great work on Atlantic City and high-yield unrated deals. And many thanks to you, our listeners out there in Mealand, who tune in week after week for the latest on Distressed Media Debt on the Mean Lowdown, the podcast produced by Dead Wire Municipals. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you again next time. Bye. Take care, Young. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Mean Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.